this conversation or this unpacking that you're about to listen to has, it's really been percolating within me for a very long time, <laughs> like years and years. And especially now, I think in our current um, environment, you know, global environment, even um, it's a really important one to have, I think. And I think to have this conversation in a new way is essential for us to, I don't even think the word is move forward. I, I just feel like expand out of old antiquated, stifling, um, this, this container, like I, I like containers to keep ourselves, you know, like you poop in a group, you know, like we don't want to be off and like, going, like, I don't have any context for my life, but I mean, container is in like containment, like where, where we are trapped or feeling, you know, suppressed. It, it only just boils up to the surface and it only causes, um, you know, fear and anxiety and polarization and, and fighting and rejection and, and, and complete disconnection from self, others, the world around us. Um, so I feel as if this whole conversation um, could be had in a new way. And, and I'd like to contribute to that. I mean, probably other people talking about that in the way that I am. I haven't heard a lot. I've heard a lot of polarization and some maybe good arguments on one side, the other side, this side, that side, and all that. But really, I think in the end, all we're doing is um, quibbling about the details and uh, not not getting to the true points that will bring us together. And I don't mean agreeing on every single outcome. I don't mean on agreeing that everybody's, yeah, this is the way to go to live a good and wholesome life, you know, or... Uh, none of that. Like, that's actually not the point. The point is that we all have that within us to decide for ourselves. If we remove all the clutter, the crap, the, the, the stuff that we're getting distracted with, you know, all of that. So I want to take a polarized conversation and connect us and move it into a unit, a unified connect, a con conversation. I want to move it into a conversation about how we um, put it all back together, put ourselves back together, put our, our, um, our relationships back together, or even just recognize that we're not really separate to begin with. <laughs> Let's do some reconnecting here. So I hope you feel reconnected by the end of this conversation. And, uh, I hope everybody feels included because you are and loved and held. And, um, I'll see you on the flip side. Welcome to the Family Health Revolution Podcast with Coach Carla Atherton, where she discovers, uncovers, explores, and reveals the secrets to true family health and wellness. Homophobia, according to Michael Mead is defined as the fear of the human body. I just heard him say that in a podcast recently, and I'm just, I'm digging Michael Mead's podcast. Um, I think it's because I'm a word geek and I love unpacking how words shape our reality and how myth shows up in life and life shows up in myth. Um, beautiful podcast if you ever want to listen. So Michael Mead, and uh, the props to you, Michael, for bringing this to my attention. I didn't know that. So Taking in that into a discussion, I actually really thought it would be a great way to lead into this discussion about gender and transgender and identification with a specific gender. And I want to first delineate and differentiate some of those aspects before we kind of get right into it. And I think this is actually a really important thing, place to start if we're ever even going to consider any of these, um, these things that, you know, that we're puzzling out in our lives, Okay. So gender is another personality. That's what I'm going to posit to you. Another costume that we try on for anybody in our society. And from the beginning, from birth, we identify a baby as either a boy or a girl, a girl or a boy. And that's the first triumphant exclamation that is proclaimed at this landing of a soul in a human body, really, is to identify this being as what sex it is and immediately following what gender we will assign. Right? So male, female, girl, boy, 
feminine or masculine, female, male. So let's make the distinction between those two things right now for clarity's sake, because that's really important to make that distinction. Male or female is the sex, right? Boy or girl, man or woman, that's the sex. And the sex is actually the organs that that person has, right? It's, I mean, this is how we define it biologically. The chromosome configuration of XY or XX and also the hormones and sometimes maybe the neurochemistry. But for sure, the hormones, the chromosome configuration, the organs, um, you know, and these hormones that are instruct, right, and catalyze a huge number of physical responses in the body, such as like gonadal development, breast development, and physical attributes such as facial hair, like voice tone, muscle mass, etc. And there are reasons for the development of all of these things, which I won't get into here, but this is what happens in a body that is male or female, knowing that there are people who have bodies, of course, that are somewhere in between, right? So we're not excluding people that are somewhere in between at all. Um, The medical world might want to, or our culture might want to, or our biases or preconceived ideas of what it means to actually be human, period, because we can't classify people who are somewhere in between, and that makes us uncomfortable. That's what makes people uncomfortable, right? But I want to get to that a little bit more in a few minutes here, too. But the sex is not the same as the expression of gender, the expression of gender. And gender is the costume we wear. That's what I will posit to you today. And it's really subjective, right? And it's chosen dependent on how we define male or female and how we assign each gender to each sex. So which gender do we assign to the sex of being a girl or a boy? And which one do we identify with ourselves or more accurately, how much we identify with one or the other? So it's more like a spectrum. Because we are all both masculine and feminine. We can both express as masculine and feminine. We, we must, actually, for balance, um, to be the full and total, total self in our totality. But I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more in a minute as well. So in each culture, and generally in each society, there exists a preconceived, acceptable assignment of gender to each sex. So masculine being assigned to males and feminine being assigned to females with no real acknowledgement of anyone in between except to not know what to do with them. (laughs) What do we do with these people we can't classify and shuffle off into this camp or that? What do we do? And what do we do if we can't classify ourselves, right? That's, That's a conundrum, isn't it? We don't know how to relate or reconcile this spectrum. The existence of all aspects of ourselves, which involve both masculine and feminine, and I'm going to keep saying that through this whole thing, it involves both masculine and feminine. So it is easier to deny and to silence because our limited minds demand the illusion of categorization and order. It's an illusion. And we exile and judge, consider people that don't fit into one category or another as anomalies or wrong or cast-offs, and even sometimes make fun of or even violently reject the girly men and the tomboys. We've seen that happen throughout history. It's happening probably right this very moment. So if we identify with or we say, okay, this means female, this means male, this gender of feminine applies to females and this gender of masculine applies to males, and if we feel more feminine and more male or vice versa or a combination, then we question whether or not we're born properly. Properly, right? We're born correct. (laughs) We're born right. If our bodies match how we feel and how we want to express, what costume we choose to wear, what costume we feel most comfortable in. Now, let me clarify that when I say costume, okay? So I'm not being derogatory in any way. Not at all. And I am certainly not saying that gender is the only costume we wear. I'm not saying any male who dresses in glittery drag or a female considered to be a tomboy wearing rough and tumble clothes or people who like to express through their outward appearance or speak a certain way with a certain cadence in their voice, whether it be more culturally defined masculine or whether it be more culturally defined feminine way of speaking or exhibiting or portraying themselves to the world. 
I'm not saying this, any of this is a deviation or a problem for people who are quote unquote confused about gender. And I really take exception to that word as well, just so you know. <laughs> people who are playing and expressing gender in a way they so choose are actually not confused at all. Let's just say that right off the hop. The confusion lies in our cultural constructs, expectations, judgments, assumptions, and limitations. So in fact, I don't see expressing gender in unconventional ways as a problem at all. There is a problem, or I might say a lack of insight, but that's certainly not it, right? Not in the expression. That's not where the lack of insight lies. So I'm going to keep talking about where that is. What I am saying about costumes is that we all wear them. <laughs> Let's just accept that's okay. It's our attempt to express our spirits. We just have to know when we are expressing or simply playing the part. Am I wearing this to push up this push-up bra because I want to accentuate parts of me that make me feel sensual? Or is it because girls are supposed to have big boobs? Supposed to show cleavage, we're supposed to be sexual and attractive. Um, am I hiding my breasts because I don't feel I want or need? to share those parts of myself with the world? Or am I rejecting the disempowerment I feel when women are ogled? So many questions, like so many questions we can ask ourselves as to the motivation behind how we feel and express ourselves in general, and not only regarding gender, not at all. So pansexuality, um, gender fluidity, homosexuality, and all of the rest of the brilliant spectrum of light that is each of our chosen, chosen expressions are not pathology. In fact, I'm actually offended by many psychological mental disorder diagnoses because they disconnect and dissect, which I find really like, just come on, you know, this is really irritating actually to me and I shouldn't get all fired up. But that, that's one thing that I just think, you know, just let's just stop with that disconnecting and dissecting, making people wrong, right? Um, rather than connecting, right? And to make whole. We should not pathologize. We must not. I don't want to should all over people, you know, who are trying to make sense of things for themselves. But I, I'd like to actually, let's, let's replace the word should with must. We must not pathologize these forms of expression or claim to have the right and wisdom to judge which is right or wrong, because we just don't. We can decide that for ourselves. We can discern and decide how we are going to operate in the world. And I'm not going to say like hurting people or anything like that is okay. But I'm saying in this in this this arena of costumes and expression, <clears throat> excuse me, we are not judge and jury to what is right or wrong, especially for other people. So actually, judgment is not wisdom. It's not wisdom at all, but opinion and belief both of which are formed by interpretation and conditioning. We have this combination, right? What we are seeking is the wisdom in discernment, moving beyond the exhausting trap of debating the polarizing right and wrong, right, quote-unquote, and wrong, quote-unquote, or good or bad or weird or normal, which actually really goes nowhere, by the way, except to disconnect, and bringing all parts of each and every one of us out of exile. <clears throat> Excuse me. So back to the point that all of us wear costumes, okay? So it's perfectly okay to acknowledge this. It's really the only way to empower ourselves with the knowledge that we have a choice in the matter. I can wear this or not. This fits and this does not. My mom told me to wear this, but it doesn't fit. I used to like this, but I've grown out of it, right? Like all of that. And we can decide if what we are choosing is based on what ensures that we are safe or loved, or acceptable, or if it is truly what we want to wear, even if it is just for fun, temporary, or just trying it on, right? So nothing we wear is forever, and we will always be who we are beneath. Like this is our costume, and we will always be who we are beneath. So we decide whether this is a costume that covers us up and disconnects us from our truth, or if it's a costume that enhances and connects us to our spirit. And you will know the difference. We all know the difference. We, we feel it. So we just think that wearing the jacked up muscle dude who never cries, right? Even when your mom dies, right? Like never cries when the worst things happen to you. Like that, we think that costume is okay when you're a man in the Western world, right? Like that's just an example. This, this is one way that we can be trapped 
with the stifling weight of shoulds and incongruent roles. They're incongruent. They're incongruent with who we feel or know that we are. The question of gender really is just what costume we choose. Again, the emphasis is on choose to wear and to be able to celebrate it if it is your true self, not pathologize or judge or say what is good or bad, right or wrong, weird or not weird, normal or abnormal. It just is. And when we can do that, then what happens is that we are accepting of each other's truths, of each other's choice. We know this is a choice and that there's nothing wrong with us if our current day definition of what it means to be female or male does not match up with the gender we have assigned to those roles and acceptable ways of expression. And I say acceptable in quotation marks. What's acceptable in our day and age right now? We will see throughout history that it's changed. So why are we changing ourselves or rejecting parts of ourselves or each other to match the current trends, the current acceptable ways of expression? So... Now I'm going to do uh, <laughs> pretty delicate territory. So come with me here. You're safe with me. I got you. Love you. I want to talk about these things. I, I, I want to address delicately <clears throat> and deliberately and respectfully and compassionately and passionately and curiously why people feel they are not at home in their bodies, where they move beyond gender expression, right? This costume to wanting to alter their physical bodies to match the expression of their sex. What sex they feel they identify with according to the gender assigned to it, right? So, okay, here we go. I'm going, I'm going for it. Let's do this. So first remember that muscle, that muscle guy, right? You know, the example I gave just a few moments ago, instead of wearing the costume, Some people may vehemently reject that role and the other roles like it, like vulnerable, weak, emotional women as another example, right? Like I'm rejecting that. I don't want to be a weak ass woman, right? I'm not a weak ass woman. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that in the world. I don't want people to perceive me as that. I don't want to, I want to have more choice in my life. I want to be strong, right? And women are weak. (laughs) And because that gender role is assigned to and associated with having a penis or a vagina, right? Or both, or sometimes even neither the sex we were born with, right? Some people not only want to change the roles they feel they have to play, they feel they have to play, but also what sex that gender and those roles are associated with by altering their bodies through surgery and hormone replacement therapies. And I'm not going to tell you whether this choice is right or wrong. I just, I'm not opinions and beliefs, right? So that would just be an opinion and a belief. They don't apply here and are not wisdom. What I do want to do is unpack this triple locked baggage. Like it's like got locks on it. It's got shit piles on on top of it. It's got like nobody wants, it's dusty, you know, something nobody wants to take out and, and dust off and have a good look at. And it's stuffed under our collective spare room bed. Like it's not even in a main bedroom. It's in that spare room that we never go in, right? Except for when we just kind of dust around and make sure it's still there. Okay, I love metaphor. All right, so knowing that these roles are really only defined by our culture, okay? We've already talked about that. Or conditioning is so very powerful. It's so empowering. Because making that delineation, making that delineation, that differentiation, that distinction between what I'm rejecting, Okay, so what am I rejecting? Myself or what I'm supposed to be? What we choose to believe and what opinions we form. What we can actually see or are exposed to at this time. Like we need to see if this is I'm rejecting myself or what I'm supposed to be. If I'm rejecting what we choose to believe or what I'm told to believe and what opinions that have been formed right, by myself or others. Or, and also differentiating between, you know, what we can actually see or expose to at this time. So what actually exists, right? What those possibilities are, or what the only thing that this little tiny corner of the world that we're exposed to at this time, which is it of all of those things and a combination. And so now that we've had that conversation, we've started it anyway, I want to enter the conversation of changing the physical body to match the role that is being identified with. excuse me. 
And I want to address this not only in relation to surgery and medications that assist in changing one's sex, but plastic surgery in general. Okay, so changing a broad African nose to be more narrow and acceptably white. Okay, so that's an example. Liposuction to reduce fat. Okay, so eyelid opening to make Asian eyes more Western, right? Mastectomy, breast augmentation, steroids for muscle growth, bariatric bypass surgery. Like the list goes on and on and on and on and on on and on. And new ways of altering our physical bodies are being like event, invented and experimented on, you know, experimented with, I should say, like every day. Um, this is sort of one of the new frontiers of Western, um, you know, medicine some in some ways or anti-aging the anti-aging movement or even just um you know the whole field of plastic surgery so you may say that these are not the same all those things i mentioned right those examples but i'm postulating that in essence at the core for the compulsion to see altering your very body as a solution to disconnect with the incongruence that can be felt between aspects of ourselves it's actually exactly the same so again, I'm not here to judge anyone who feels this is a solution or feels that is it's the solution, but to receive them, receive you, receive us all, you know, witness our struggle and invite all of us to our own empowerment. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like for me, I've never, I've never wanted to change my body. And I suppose like, you know, maybe some people listening would say, well, that's a privilege. You know, you're, you're lucky you love being a woman. You're lucky you love your boobs and your, your femininity and you've embraced it. Um, your, your femininity, you know, um, in conjunction with the sex, you know, you were born with. Yeah, sure. Um, the one thing I have wanted to change was like the only thing I would probably have surgery for is my eyes because I just want to see without glasses. <laughs> I want to, I want to just, I want to see without glasses. You know, I want to see sharply and clearly and get these damn things off my face. I don't want to always have them. It feels like a mask now, you know, this, these glasses in between me and the world. I just want to, I want to have a bare face. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So that's my thing. So, and I, I just, I want, and, and maybe this is my movement toward my natural you. And you could be thinking yourself, well, what's my, this is my natural me. I want to move toward, how do I do that? And, and so when I, when I think about like surgically altering ourselves, you know, to match that, you know, what, what about the natural you? Like you are in a, a unique expression of life itself. It, and is your body, this is a question I have, is your body also a costume you want to change in and out of? That's just a question. And I ask that to myself all through life too. Is this, is this a costume I want to change in and out of? And I, I spend so much time rejecting my belly, right? Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that in just a little bit, about that and how I've embraced that part of myself and how I did that. So people even go to extremes, right? And into a type of like, and it can be considered dysmorphic, right? Like obsession with extracting and adding body parts. And we've heard about all of this in the media, right? Entering into a never ending dependent descent into the medical world. I want to tell you why I think this is tragic. And I don't mean that in a judgmental way, but as a person who wishes with all my being that everyone love themselves. And truly not only recognize, but realize, so make real the totality of their beauty. So I think it's tragic, yes, that we feel as if we have to change ourselves or feel trapped in our bodies as they are, as they are. So we feel trapped in our bodies as they are, or don't feel at home in our own skin, right? Like some people talk about that. Like I don't feel home in my, I'm home in my own skin. And I think we actually even move to some degrees cyclically through that. And as a woman, like with, you know, um, the menstrual cycle, for instance, I feel differently at one part of the month as I do others. Sometimes I feel really like sensual and beautiful and goddess-like. And then sometimes I feel like fat and heavy and, and just, I'm rejecting myself and I'm disgusted. I get even to that, that point sometimes I'm like, Hey man, no, 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 don't go there. Don't go there. This is because we don't, we don't, we're so not taught about these, like embracing all that and why those feelings come up at, at certain points, why we feel like going into the red tent, you know, at certain points of the month. 
Um, but I digress. Okay, so what I'm saying is that I, um, as I've been saying, right, the def- identification with the roles assigned to our bodies is ultimately a choice once we become aware of that fact. Or even just like an experience. It's your body. Like this is your body. And the question to ask is, why do I reject it as it is? And the answer you will most likely receive is that you are operating under a belief or construct that was formed or that you feel trapped in um, by what has been told to us, not because it is true, but because it was accepted as a rule. And that's just something to ponder, just to question. We know that this construct doesn't match our souls. You would not be born in this body if you were not meant or if your soul had not chosen to live this life in this density on this earth at this time with a combination of things that make you you. It makes you you. You're not your body, but your body is an expression of you. You decide what that combination may be. So we can decide, yeah, like what what are we going to do about the, with this or um, how am I going to express this again? I keep using the word express. And of course, free choice is essential, like free choice with what you do with your body. And if that means surgery, if that means changing your body and altering it, altering it to make it fit what you think you want to look like is what you feel is the right thing for you, then I, I can't and I won't attempt to convince anyone otherwise. I will not say that is wrong, right? That desire to feel like everything's locking into place. What I do want to say is to ask the question again, why do I feel like my body is wrong? Why does my body, like why does it feel like it doesn't match or fit? Why does my spirit feel trapped in my skin? You may find that your body is your home. Like, let's just come home and we may want to move around the furniture, but the structure is solid, beautiful, and it's rooted in its foundation. So it's not our bodies that are wrong, I would say, but the shit we've been told and sold, the beliefs, the opinions, and untruths we have accepted as truth, even though many of us know they are lies. So my mom Let's, let's say my mom was abused, so being female means I'm vulnerable. Or my uncle was an asshole, so I reject being masculine. Or the women in my family all cared for everyone but got little in return. The men in my family had all had secret affairs. Or so my dad was so sad, but he could never tell us. Or I was raped or assaulted. I was silenced or ignored. I can't measure up to those muscle-bound men on Instagram right? I need to be a warrior to survive or disappear into the shadows so no one will take notice of my pain, my insecurity, my shame, my doubt. I won't be accepted as I am. That's a fear. I have to change to fit in, right? Where, you know? These are all reasons that have led to struggles and beliefs that form that affect how we see ourselves and how we choose to express that self. It's always about those underlying structures for everyone, like everyone, all of us. So instead of exiling parts of ourselves, whether it be thoughts, emotions, expressions of our spirit, physical body parts, subtracting and adding and manipulating like some kind of Victor Frankenstein, <laughs> you know, their own selves, let's move into an energy of expansion. Let's put it making whole by stepping into and coming home to ourselves. And experiencing those deep breaths of fresh air you take in when you open up all the windows and doors. Uncomplicated, flowing, demystified, in harmony, right? So we want to run away from pain. We do. In fact, our medicalized culture tells us that pain is bad. But pain is a teacher. It is part of the healing process. It is part of life and is an integral and inevitable part of growth and expansion. So it's perfectly okay that some of these things we're talking about facing here are painful. This is leading me to my highest self. This is my higher self speaking here. This is my higher self telling me to become aware when I'm running away from depression or rejection or lack of self-love or um, if my choices of my, or if my choices are my attempt to be loved and to be seen 
and I am led to wonder if there is another reason than what I have previously considered, if it's something else that can be observed, recognized, understood, and embraced, not exiled, embraced. So again, it's the same undercurrent fueling the need to get Botox or facelifts or the whole anti-aging movement, which is misconstrued as empowerment. We run away from aging, which is in our society, it means that you're decrepit and old and unworthy and we're going to cast you off in a boat to die because like, you're no longer useful. You're no longer worth giving attention to because you don't contribute physically. You don't serve a sexual or reproductive purpose. And we hold these beliefs and fears because we don't see aging as a beautiful and inevitable season of life. It's a season. We're running away from death because we see death as a failure and we don't understand what death really is. And aging is a reminder that we are not immortal. And we exile, we cast off, we reject what we fear. Old women, emotional men, transsexual people, all of that. Okay, so back to aging for a second. So the truth is that as we age, we're not rotting, but are like a fine wine. <laughs> well, right? I mean, I love language. We are becoming wiser. We are becoming. We are expanding and have expanded. We have this experience to share. We have the opportunity to take up a chair, a new chair, in what Mark Gaffney calls our unique self-symphony, as not only an elderly, older but an elder, right? Like we're becoming older, but not elders. Um, there's something about us that has seasoned with us that can have a different presence than we had in our youth. And there isn't a utilitarian use for us, but an evolutionary need for each and every one of us. And this is awesome. Like it's just gorgeous, glorious, and needed. So the question we return to or the questions, I guess there's more than one, are, why might I be discontent? And we all are, like I said, to some extent, because we are all part of some culture or society or another. We're all part of some culture or society or another that has its preconceptions, conditioning, patterns, programs. Um, such is the nature of life. This is the nature of life to question. It's okay. And we can be deeply well and, like this is the thing, we can be deeply well and have sacred longing at the same time. Wow. So why do I want to express in this way? This is the next question. Why do I want to express in this way? Why do I want to change myself? What is not congruent for me? And just be curious and accepting and gentle with yourself as you explore the answers. You are beautiful shadows, warts and all. And to this, you may say that I have a lot of pain associated with my body. Like Carla, I'm not beautiful. I don't want to see the shadows. I have lots of pain associated with my body, with my past, with the rejection, abandonment, discontent I feel from myself and others. This is just lip service and pretty words, Carla. <laughs> You're just telling me what I want to hear. This is just those affirmations you say in the mirror, but you don't really believe it. But I, I, I beg to differ. I, I beg to differ. Words are spellcasting. And instead of entranced in the traps we culturally create, right? Entranced by this belief and conditioning. I want you to be caught up in the magic of you. I don't like to purport to have magic bullet cures or one answer for any huge question. Like I never say that. And such as the questions we are asking in this musing. Right? Like I used to try to do that, but I think the questions are more important than the answers that we can purport to have because we all come to our own if we just ask the right questions. I will say this though, okay? So the opportunity and invitation before us all is to change our consciousness, to shift into a self-love culling and decluttering, right? We're, de we're coloring, culling and decluttering the shit rather than cutting away parts of ourselves that we exile, deny, and reject. What we can reject, though, is the belief or the beliefs, more than one, there are lots of them, that disconnect us. The mindful process of rejection is called discernment. When you're mindful about what you reject, it's called discernment. I do not accept that I am wrong. 
There's a good one. I will not be homophobic, rejecting my own body. I will not reject the totality of me. So just see where that lands for you to see what do you want to do next after considering this new perspective. What do you want to do next? Here is where we can get hung up in this liberation exercise, however. Okay, so me, I fought like hell. <laughs> like I fought like hell. I can't, like just remembering how this was for me, I fought like hell to get recognized for my pain and for what I needed. And there's a huge story about that um, in my story, which I'm not going to go into too much today. But you might be feeling the same way. I fight. I fought like bloody hell to get recognized for what for my pain, and for what I needed. You're asking me to let that go. <laughs> when you finally feel like your idea, a point where you're like, "Yup, this fight is mine. This victory is mine, or it will be if I can continue to fight." It's like prying apart the grip of a drowning person. It's very hard to let go. Even after you die from the fight. <laughs> and you need a fight for. You need a fight for, not surrender, right? You need to continue to have an enemy or what the hell was the point up to this very point, right? You might feel that way. Like there's got to be something to fight, you know, because what was the point of all this effort I put into getting recognized as XYZ or getting you know, like winning my right, right? In other people's eyes to express the way I want to express or do this, make this decision in my life, right? Um, part of that for me was medical stuff and health stuff and people not recognizing what I was experiencing or my family was experiencing. And then when I finally got recognition, I actually didn't want to continue on with, <laughs> with what I was fighting for. Right? So you may be thinking, I have no right to make these decisions. I have, sorry, I have a right to make these decisions. And you do, of course. I'm in no way saying that deciding to go medical as opposed to natural or to leave the questions of role playing aside and do what makes you feel good in this very moment is wrong. I'm not going to say any of that's wrong. My point is the very opposite, actually. The more aware you are about yourself and your motivations, the freer. And freer your choices can be <laughs> when we're like just fighting for this one thing, we can actually become blind to the totality of the situation, right? And all you do with that storm within is to ask a simple question. So how do I get centered again? This is the simple question. Will this serve me? And that is all. That's all you need to ask. So to sum up, all right, so I'm going to sum up here, this conversation. We're born with certain a certain biological makeup. And as Alan Cohen, the author, right, Alan Cohen says in the film Finding Joe, we are born high and knowing who and what we are. Like we are born knowing this. Then, this is me adding to this, then we're conditioned into an ego, a personality, the expression of our spirits, which includes a gender role construct not out of maliciousness, but out of the human need for survival. And if we are conscious that we can choose what we want to express and why we express what we do express, which is all valid and beautiful, all of the reasons and all of the forms of expression, we can experience self-acceptance and love of others. I don't even want to just say self-acceptance because it's like, it sounds like you're like conceding to accept yourself. No, I mean, full on wholehearted love, self-love. So we need not change ourselves, which is impossible to do, by the way. Like it's just, you can't change yourself. You can change how you express, like I said, or how, what you think about yourself or how others see you. We can, you, you don't change yourself. We can only cover up and forget and express through the costumes. We can express through the costumes we choose to wear. Playing with roles and culture and releasing the grip those constructs have to claim that you are wrong, that you are not worthy, that you're not lovable. Then you answer the call to express your authentic self, like that hero's journey, right? You answer the call to express your authentic self. This is really what we're doing here, is discovering that. I want to acknowledge that to be both inter, 
dependently authentic and interdependent on others is a paradox. There is safety in the tribe, the club, the group you belong to and have identified with. This gives us a container, a sense of meaning, acceptance, purpose, and importance. The club and tribe gives you validation, and so does exclusivity. I can understand why everyone wants that. Like, I also want that. I don't sit here and tell anyone those desires and needs are unevolved. They're part of our evolution. They're part of our experience. Let's just make sure that we're not receiving inclusivity by excluding others no matter how oppressed we have felt by those others. Okay, that's just a little point I wanted to make in this conversation that I think is really important. So with these musings, I want to open up conversation. I, a conversation that isn't polarized, right? I'm right, you're wrong, I'm big, you're little, it's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> um, but considers duality, considers paradox, considers the spectrum of light we are each expressing, considers not just um, a for or against quote unquote answer, right? Like what's the cure? What's the answer? What's the thing we should, 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 should all do, but a deepening into the why and the very thing that everyone involved in this conversation is trying to sort out. This is what we're all trying to sort out. Am I okay? And of course I'm going to say, the answer is like, hell yes, 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 you're okay. So this conversation is not about fighting for the right to express in any particular way. Okay, I'm not here actually fighting for the right. I've been like a activist freedom fighter kind of position lots in my life, but this is not where I want to go with this because all I'm going to do is pro- propel and perpetuate the fight. And I don't, I don't want this to be a fight. And especially for not any particular thing. I don't want to enter the legalities or the opinions relating to morality and rightness. You know, like I should be able to dress as a woman or I should be able to look rugged or I should be able to love another male. And I I don't want to enter that conversation, although I, I know that we must express in however way we um is is authentic for us. I know this, but I don't want to enter that debate, okay? This conversation is about our inherent nature to do so, right? And how shrouding that nature in shoulds is what causes the discontent we experience in its many forms, from physical illness to mental and emotional dis-ease, which is lack of ease, right? So to enter that fight, it's leading us to this discontent because there's more shoulds and, and, and just fighting and debating and um, fear, you know, all that stuff that we bring in with that energy. And so again, I want to open the conversation. This, this conversation is about our inherent nature to um, be able to express in however, whatever that means for us authentically. And it's not about fighting against people who feel differently than we do at all or have different solutions to their questions, different answers. It's not about demonizing the choices that people are making. I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'm really tired of the intellectualizing, the theorizing, the diagnosing, the dissecting and overthinking and pathologizing and psychologizing and judgment and disdain disdain, all that stuff that's spewed forth from all these conversations on the airwaves that polarize between people who believe that opinion and belief are truth. When we enter that conversation like that, we are believing that our opinion and belief are truth and trying to convince others, you know, to fall into step or in line with what we believe. And this declaration may sound a little full of disdain here as well, (laughs) maybe trying to do this but but this is however my sacred anger we all have this sacred anger we have my sacred rebel is calling for an expansion a renaissance in our human experience this is sacred so i don't want to dissect i i want to connect and so what brings us together right what is what is it the fact that we are all essentially the same And what do I mean by that? Again, we all ask this question, am I okay? Am I acceptable? Am I loved? 
right? We all want to be witnessed in our authenticity and held and loved. Where there is the compassion and understanding, there is safety. We weigh overvalue opinion over wisdom. So let's return to wisdom. I've been curiously present as both participant and observer for lots of discussion about reclaiming the feminine and masculine and rewilding ourselves. Like I actually quite enjoy those conversations and participating in the ideas and also the acts, right? And that's, it's also beautiful. I myself love being a woman, like I was saying, and my femininity and my mother bear spirit. I love all that about myself and my way, my chosen way to express. And I can understand others who love this as well. Man, woman, or not identified as either. But rewilding may look like something very different to another person. You may see your rewilding not to be associated to sexuality at all, or your sensual nature looks very different than mine. And I may even postulate that our human race may be moving toward a more pansexual nature. Actually, isn't that an interesting question? And I happen to be in this shade of the spectrum, right? Like this heterosexual goddess mother with a deep, appreciation for both the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine. I I see attraction to other women also. And um, yet I have a monogamous relationship that I I literally find God in our connection. (laughs) And I guess I shouldn't, I, I don't really want to enter the conversation of God. But what I mean by God is truly like, the like source, like tapping into the mysteries of the universe. You know, like this is huge. And so this is just how I express and what I see. And and I appreciate um, other people in their full-on expression of this for themselves and within themselves. Appreciate it all. I even have like a very um, <laughs> masculine side of me where I just love rough and tumble. And I get super, I guess, ornery, I might call it, like if I'm playing sports with certain people. And I just like, I just love it. And I, and I love being outwardly expressive, like, you know, um, like I said, sort of aggressive in sports and it's just like, or this warrior that kind of comes out. And if you, if you put the word sacred in front of anything that we've exiled within ourselves, we reclaim it. My sacred, sacred masculine, my sacred warrior, my sacred victim, maybe even my sacred, sad person, my sacred, any of those things, my sacred inner child, you know, it's just gentle with ourselves and, and, and putting those things into the, their true rightful place in our hearts and vibration. So there is a spectrum of light and colors, each of us a fractal, an expression essential to the fabric woven to create the whole. And I want all of us to just like roll around in the wildness of it. Like, do you have have animals? Like, you just see them just going. I'm like, you get dirty and you just roll around in that beautiful uh, life of yours, that wildness of you. I don't want to say let's return to what our natural state is. Like, that's a word I love too, but it's been usurped. You know, it's, it's, it's been, we've added these, um, definitions to what being natural is and we've associated good or bad or right or wrong and, and rules to it. So let's use the word wild, right? And, but that's another topic for another podcast. So I'm not going to go too far into that because I'm getting near to the end. (laughs) So I, what I'm saying is that I love watching the play and expression, expressed when I go to a drag show or a concert or a poetry reading or anything, you know, I'm just like, yes, I'm in the front freaking row, baby. So labels and roles and identities overlay our souls like a matryoshka doll. And they can bury and complicate and they cover up. But don't we all experience the gleeful satisfaction of a child, right? As we keep popping open those layers to get to that solid wee one at the very center. Then we put it back on and then we take them off again. Or like we could just display all the shells in a row along the shelf. Just leave them open, right? But knowing that there are layers and depths to you is the ultimate acceptance. Seeing those layers and depths is you in the act of accepting and connecting to yourself. 
rejection, rebellion, experimentation, self-discovery, play, expression, fun, they're all part of the game, part of the play. We break the chains of our happiness being hinged on the expectation of others accepting you, right? Like, is my is my happiness going to hinge on the ex- ex- expectation that others accept me? Like, I should be accepted. I, I need to be accepted. Because we not only accept ourselves, but can't help but to love. So when we accept ourselves, we enter that vibration of love. And it's contagious because... When we all do this, or more of us do this, we no longer feel the need to fight or polarize or win or convince each other that we are right because we are all operating in an entirely different frequency of love. So let's play. (laughs) Let's play. All of life is a play. All of life is a stage. And we are each on, we are each in the starring role. We're each in our own starring role. We're the protagonists in our own story. So all I say is to play it wisely and play it well. This podcast is sponsored by the Healthy Family Formula, which essentially means that we share our information for free. For more support, community, audio coaching, full episodes, bi-monthly live Q&A, discounts on our group coaching programs, and more, become a patron of my work at www.patreon.com slash Carla Atherton. For more information about anything related to family health, do pick up my book, Family Health Revolution, and check out our newsletter, blog, individual and group coaching programs, and practitioner training program at Healthy Family Formula and CarlaAthertonInspired.com. Find us on Instagram at Coach Carla Atherton and on Clubhouse at Empowered Family. Please note that Family Health Revolution podcast is not a source for diagnosis or medical treatment, but is the opinion of the host. This podcast is intended to empower people with information so they can make the best health decisions for themselves. It is up to each person to listen to their inner wisdom, consider the information they deem to be accurate and applicable to their individual situation, and consult with their trusted healthcare providers if they so choose when making any decisions regarding their own health or the health of their loved ones. Each person's health is their own responsibility.